The Good Reading Podcast is brought to you by Read, the monthly book subscription that pairs a new release book with a pampering gift delivered to your door. There are new books every month and nine genres to choose from. Why not spoil yourself or give the gift of a Read subscription today? Visit luxury.com.au to find out how. The desire to write feels like such a hesitant flame within you back then. Insistent, yet tremulous. Could you? The want so daring and audacious, yet monstrous too. Writing hurts. You've already gleaned this. It hurts the people around you as well as yourself. It flays you in public, strips bare your vulnerabilities, mortifies family and friends, and you're a pleaser. Is it all worth it? Could it ever be? The writer Elizabeth Smart said a pen is a furious weapon that needs a rage of will. You're not sure you have the nerve for it. You have grit and determination, but do not have the elixir of self-belief. Why would you? Your world doesn't encourage it. You wonder if you could ever make it as a writer, callously and meticulously existing on the coalface of living to record all that happens around you. You wonder who that kind of woman could be. Someone with a muscular and monstrous selfishness, surely. And women aren't allowed to be that, surely. Yet the urge feels like a glittering and beautiful darkness within that only you can see. It feels clean, like honesty. Yet veracity seems like such a transgression because the chilly, watching, assessing core of you is so submerged, iceberged. Women aren't meant to say brutally honest things, aren't conditioned to be boldly truthful. The message being, what man would want us if we were? You feel bound by what you are meant to be. Hello and welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. My name's Greg Dobbs. Nikki Gemmell is the best-selling author of 13 novels and four works of non-fiction, along with several novels for children. Four of her books, Shiver, Cleave, The Bride Stripped Bear, and The Book of Rapture, made the long list of favourite Australian novels of the Australian Book Review. Today I'm talking to Nikki Gemmell about her latest book, Dissolve. It's published by Hachette. Nikki, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you, Greg. First thing that strikes me about Dissolve is that it's written in the second person. I've written a few of my books in the second person. Um, I love the feeling that it gives of intimacy, that you're going into someone's mind, but that they're observing kind of dispassionately at the same time. Second person is you did this, you did that, you went there, you went here, that kind of thing, as opposed to the first or the third person. I've done it a few times in my fiction. I don't think it can be sustained over a longer book. It's it's a very intense way of writing. But for a shorter book, I think it can work really well. And for this book, Dissolve, it just felt absolutely right for the format. Do you feel by using the second person that for some people it will, uh, I suppose, draw them in, but Mm. for other people it might 
even alienate them? I don't know about alienating them. Um, and certainly as I was writing Dissolve, it came very strong and very sure. For instance, my last novel that I've written, The Ripping Tree, that took me 10 years of chopping and changing the voice. It began with the second person, but that didn't feel right. It was kind of pushing away the reader. I ended up with the first person because that was more a diary format, which drew the reader in. But with Dissolve, I just felt for what I wanted to say, in this book, which is kind of intimate, but also looking at the wider picture. And I didn't want it to be too indulgent. The second person felt absolutely right and kind of mesmerizing in a way. So my whole intention with writing second person was to draw the reader in. Let's get into what the book's about. And it comes across as a memoir, although that's not really said anywhere. Is it a memoir? You know what, I didn't think it was a memoir at all as I was writing it. I have written a book after which very much felt to me like it was a memoir. That was about my relationship with my mother. Um, This one feels more like a dispassionate meditation or exploration of women, creative women in relationships with creative men a meditation on love, heartbreak, sex, power, equality, inequality, the Me Too movement, so many different things. Yes, my own story is threaded through it, but I'm looking at a lot of other stories um, encompassing a lot of other creative women who are in partnerships with creative men at some time in their lives. So I, I wouldn't say that it's a memoir. I would shy away from that. For me, a central anchor for this book was a relationship I went through in my mid-20s. Before I settled down with my married life, my heart was broken. I fell in love with someone, a a writer, a fellow writer. I was just starting out. And that relationship, I I was going to get married to him and he jilted me, not at the altar, but (laughs) almost at the altar. At that time in my life, it was a devastating thing for me to go through. It felt like failure humiliation. I had completely lost control of my life. I was suicidal. It took me a good three years perhaps to haul myself out of the pit of heartbreak. But I'd never written about it. In all the different things I've written over decades of writing, it just felt too humiliating and too difficult and too hurtful. But there was something a uh, uh, I don't know, with the last couple of years, the Me Too movement, um, you know, I'm, I'm approaching the menopause myself. I found that very liberating and freeing as a woman. And I just looked at that whole episode in my life when I was a young woman in a different way. And finally, I felt like, yes, I really want to write about this. But what I had, Greg, were journals. From that time. I've written journals since I was about 14 and my English teacher in year eight, she handed them all out to us and these blank journals and she said, fill them up. I'm going to collect them every Friday. I'm, go- I'm not going to read what's in them. I just want you to, um, you know, write something. That began a habit that's lasted a lifetime. So all during my relationship with this man who at the time was the love of my life, 
I was writing everything down. I was coldly, forensically recording the whole thing. So I've got conversation scraps in there. I've got observations. I've got my emotional state. For years, I wasn't able to go back to those journals and read because it was just so raw and so painful. And it's only now, decades later, that I've been able to wade through them um, and kind of write them from the perspective of a woman, you know, three decades on from when that had happened and able to see it as a wife now and a mother, a mother of a daughter and kind of write this book as a warning, as a manifesto for younger women from the perspective of an older woman. As I read this book, I, I kind of thought it was a, a bit like a message in a bottle, a message to women of the future, but also to women of the past. It's an interesting description of it as a message in a bottle. I guess for me, it, it is about universal truths. And, you know, what I went through in my uh, mid-20s several decades ago feels like something around me now and I fear, you know, will still be around us all in the future. It's the way men and women interact and as much as we want to change the situation or some of us want to change the situation, the wheels turn very, very slowly. And I guess I just wanted to be very, very honest about love and relationships and I feel like because of that honesty it connects through generations and through ages. As I was researching for this interview I came across something that you'd written which was called Nikki Gemmel shares 50 thoughts on turning 50 and oh. number 38 was the bad times dissolve always and your book is called dissolve so I wondered mm. whether there was a connection and if there is or if there isn't why the title Dissolve? What does that tell us about the book? Greg, that's so interesting because, you know what, when I was thinking of this title and this one, Dissolve, came really strong in terms of some of my titles, they just never land and then they go off to marketing departments and sales rep departments and all the rest of it and I find that the title that I end up with with one of my books is not something that I've thought of at all and don't particularly like. But with this one, I came up with it. It felt so strong for this book. I kept it all the way through and I wasn't thinking in terms of bad times dissolving, which is very interesting because that fits with the book too. I was thinking of a woman's psyche and what love can do to us and particularly strong thinking women. I feel like their Achilles heel, the one thing that can fell them is love. You know, they might be, you know, independent and articulate and sparky and stubborn and stroppy and strong, all those kind of things. But if they fall in love, that's the thing that can break them. And I, I find that fascinating. It's kind of, you know, biology for so many of us. We are programmed to reproduce and we are animals underneath everything. And, and, Love will do it to us. You know, in, in Dissolve, I explore not only my own situation, but I look at uh, creative women in creative partnerships like um, Camille Claudel, Virginia Woolf, Sylvia Plath, Charmian Clift, Janet Frame, so Medora Ma, so many different women. And for all of them, 
they fell deeply in love with a creative man and their lives, their creativity was compromised to some extent because of that. They were dissolved in terms of their true selves and who they really wanted to be. Actually, I shouldn't put Janet Frame in that group. I, I use her in the book as someone who um, escaped the immersion in a way. Um, but I was very interested in that kind of context for Dissolve, and that's why I called the book that title. So that's just one of the messages. And there's another one, well, there's many messages in this book, but one that I came across later, uh, later in the book, which, and there's a little quote I'd like to read and just to get your reaction or perhaps to explain what you mean by it. It goes like this. The journey of these years is a quest into how to unlady yourself. Yes. What do you mean by that? That's a big one for me. Because, I, I, you know, I certainly went through it and I look at all the young women around me. I look at my own daughter who is so kind of her true self. She's so strong and fierce and sparky. But I think something happens to a lot of females as we go through puberty, as we enter young adulthood, the world around, around us tries to tell us that we have to be quieter and meeker, we have to reduce ourselves in some way. We have to dissolve, not question the male, not triumph over the male, all these kind of things. And for some of us, perhaps many of us, there's a feeling of losing ourselves. I just feel like this is not who I'm meant to be. Certainly for me, I kind of railed against it for years, decades. I feel like it's only now in my kind of 50s, you know, perimenopausal and grumpy and, and kind of angry and, and finally learning the power in saying, no, I don't want to be your slave. I don't want to be your pleaser. I don't want to do all these things that I've done all my life just to please other people. I feel like I've finally found my true self. And, you know, for years, decades, I was changing who I was to fit some societal norm and it just didn't feel authentic. It didn't feel right. So there was some, like, inner rage and all these things dissolve explores. Is confidence, well, an issue here and part of the solution, if there is a solution? Yes, I think confidence is a huge part of this whole process. You know, for years and years when I was younger, people used to say to me, oh, you know, you've got so much self-belief or whatever. I came across as very confident. That was a complete mask. You know, imposter syndrome has been a huge bane of my life, my whole life. You know, even now, it's like I can't write as well as other people. I, do I deserve this? All am I good enough? No, I don't think I am. All those kind of things. But you reach a stage where you just have to own it. I feel like for writers in particular, it's all about confidence. And that confidence can be so easily crushed. It was a long journey for me. You know, I began writing in my late teens. Um, and... Uh, you know, this this business is all about rejection. You still get rejection, you know, decades down the track. But um, for me, 
my confidence was knocked again and again and again. But occasionally I'd get little glimmers of acceptances. And one of my first glimmers was um, wonderful Les Murray, the poet. He accepted my first piece for his literary magazine. He was the literary editor of it with the most beautiful acceptance letter. I think I was 19. And it was just catapulted me into a world of confidence that made me believe maybe I can do this maybe I actually can be a writer and I also came from a very working class world coal mining family both my parents had left school at 16 when I'd said to my dad once you know oh dad I really want to be a writer he just looked at me and went oh waste of time that you know that that was the attitude that I was up again so it was these little glimmers of affirmation from the likes of Les Murray that gave me this rocket fuel of confidence. But it wasn't until I was 30 that I got my first novel published. I feel like for women, um, the headwinds are strong against us in terms of confidence. And, you know, we lose our confidence as we hit puberty and go through our teenage years. And I, I wanted to explore all of that in Dissolve too. I wanted this to be a little gift of a book that I could give to younger women and say, here, it will be okay. You will get through this. My final question is that, uh, do you think you've mellowed over the time? Have you matured? <laughs> Can you choose happiness as you get older? Because sometimes as I read the book, I thought, this is an angry lady. interesting because it's funny that the, the female readers that I've had have not said that at all and maybe it's just they just recognize themselves within it for me yes I've changed immensely over the years I think the main thing is I've loosened and that might be motherhood and and you know being married to a good bloke and all the rest of it I've let go um yes I'm, I'm happy. You know, I'm glad I didn't write this book 20 or 30 years ago because I think then I would have been mired in a pit of anger. But now I can look back with perspective and, um, yeah, gratitude for, for what I've learnt over the years. And I just want to pass some of that on, I guess. Well, it's certainly an interesting and very thought-provoking book, Nikki. So I want to thank you for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you so much. It was lovely to talk to you, Greg. Thanks, Nikki. I've been talking to Nikki Gemmel about her latest book, Dissolve. It's published by Hachette and is available at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs, and thanks for listening. This Good Reading podcast was brought to you by Luxury Read. Why not spoil yourself or give the gift of a Luxury Read subscription today? Visit luxury.com.au to find out how.